This is episode 10 of The Creative Outsiders, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hill. The Creative Outsiders is a collective of women storytellers that aim for the sisterhood through a community that provides professional development for emerging filmmakers. Simply put, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tamika Winborn, and I can't wait till we talk, but before we do, a little bit about her. She has developed the Lavender Real Media Group and Lavender Real Publishing, a production and media service company producing commercials, documentaries, and other film projects of commercial clients as well as her own. The same year, Tamika was commissioned to co-produce a documentary entitled In Plain Sight, Human Trafficking, for Cox Creative, which aired on Cox 11 and its affiliate stations in 2016. She also served as a field reporter for Cox Communication. Tamika's skills were well-received in the film industry. To date, she has written and produced five and directed four short films. She would later serve on the board of the Hampton Roads chapter of the Virginia Production Alliance in 2015. I have like a million questions because you were living in Virginia, so you know I got 99 questions for you. (laughs) Okay, so I always start out with asking people why film? Take us back to what was your defining moment that made you decide you needed to enter the world of filmmaking? Um, in 2005, I wrote a novel called, um, entitled Where My Strength Comes From. And um, I sort of had an aspiration to make that into a feature film. And then once I started taking like a screenwriting workshop, I realized it was a huge, you know, huge overhauling. So I decided to back up, do three short films as my film school. And now I'm ready to approach um, doing a feature, but probably not that one. Okay, so how, well, let's rewind a little bit. So for the people who are listening, they may not know that you originally started off as a writer. You've written poems. Do you, you also have a book, correct? I have a book and I have a second book that's not published yet. I'm still tweaking. Hopefully we'll get that out soon. Okay. No pressure. Look, no pressure. (laughs) I have that internal pressure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it's um, interesting that you were an author first. And like you said, it kind of gave you the bug like, hey, I think I want to do this um, because that's kind of not kind of. That's my story. I wrote a, I wrote a book. Um, I wrote it and I was like, OK, wait, am I going to go through the whole tedious process of trying to find someone to publish my book? And I was like, no, I will create my own publishing company. And then it was funny. I kind of forgot until my um, one of, one of my really good girlfriends told me like, "Hey, don't you remember you made us do the trailer? <laughs> made us do the trailer <laughs> to your book." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I truly think." And I'm just asking your opinion. I think that for a lot of people who are creative and write books, I really think that that's like our first like bug of like hey, maybe there's more out there for me. Let me venture into filmmaking. Do you think a lot of authors transition into filmmaking? I think so. And I think, you know, even if they don't, I think they aspire to do so. I think 
you know, we all desire to see our work on screen. But for like for myself, I didn't think it was a tangible goal. You know, it was just by accident years later that, you know, I was like, oh, how, how do I do this? You know, and I moved to New York City, like hoping to go to film school and that didn't work out. And so it didn't feel like it could really happen. And then funny enough, moving back to Virginia is where I sort of got mentorship and that stuff to help me get all, you know, and I just bought a ton of books. And so um, I think more authors probably would venture into filmmaking had, you know, if they felt like it was like not so big. I agree. And I think that is the key thing for a lot of us, especially because looking at your just doing some research, I tell everybody, once I know you're coming on the show, I like <laughs> do some stalking, go Love through it. all your stuff, see who you are. But um, I do realize, too, that you that is one of the things that's important to you, that you want to be able to show our perspectives as brown girls. But um, that is one of the well, the main reason why I started the Creative Outsiders. And when you said it, it made me think about it. Is because I went to film school at Girl Game. I mean, it was a, it was a good experience. I went for um, my MFA in screenwriting, so I did learn a lot. But you ain't miss, you ain't missed all these payments I got for this, this student loan, so you ain't missed nothing. Well, you know, it's funny what I was volunteering on this feature film that they were shooting in Virginia as a PA, which I didn't like that position too much, but. You know, I, I get it was, you know, because it was independent, I was able to talk to the DP, the, you know, the writers, the crew, and, you know, and that was the advice that majority of them gave me was not to go to film school. Um, most of them, most of them told me to use that money to invest in projects versus in investing in school and just continue to work with other people's projects, research, learn, and, you know, just get into the community and start shooting. So um, I don't regret not going. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say don't regret it because um, it's funny. I went for my screenwriting and then I was going to do a double, like a double major, and um, do documentary. And I actually started the documentary uh, program after I finished my MFA. And it was funny. I'm not gonna say with school because I don't want my mentor because he's the greatest ever. I have no seriously, like he's such a great mentor, but. I was like pushing through to do the documentary portion of it. And he was like, just stop. Like, and I'm not knocking it because I did learn a lot in my MFA, but he was like, you need to just get out and do it. He was like, how much longer do you plan on just being in school? So I think that was really good advice because I like you, like you um, went and was a, a PA. I went and I actually, connected with a production company in Richmond and was like, Hey, can I come and work on y'all set? And they're like, sure. <laughs> so that's where I learned a lot of like, yeah, I, I learned a whole lot from there and I'm still learning. So I think that was very good advice. So I do, sometimes like I wonder, you know, cause it's like the grass is always greener on the other side. And I'm mm-hmm. sometimes like wish that I knew more of the, you know, like, technical stuff but then you know sometimes after you do it you're like oh I guess I got it like after I start researching other people so yeah 
but I'm happy with the journey. I definitely wouldn't go at this point. Yeah, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> Save them coins. So, mm-hmm. so you moved back to Virginia. And um, when I was doing a little bit of research, I saw that you were a field reporter for Cox Communications. How did this help you as a filmmaker? Well, ironically, I was a filmmaker first. Okay. Um, It's such a funny story. So um, I was working on, I had already done two short films, and I was actually working on developing a piece, a documentary regarding sex trafficking in the Virginia area. So at that time, I was on the board of the Virginia Production Alliance, and I had just had a meeting with um, the Hampton Roads Foundation trying to get some funding that didn't work out. But I um, was talking about it, you know, um, with another um, board member and another board member that actually runs Cox, um, that department of Cox overheard me. And simultaneously, they were working on a documentary regarding sex trafficking, but theirs was dealing with um, some ladies who do hair that um, were going over to Cambodia to teach young women who have been in sex trafficking um, life skill, you know, like how to do hair, cosmetology, so that they could, you know, transition out of sex trafficking. So um, we, he started asking me, you know, like, hey, is this really happening here? And I was like, yeah, it is, you know. And so as we had dialogue, he connected me with their supervising producer for that particular project. He brought me in. And then as, you know, I shared my story I had been volunteering with an organization called the Virginia Production. Um, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Um, Virginia Beach Justice Initiative, who's you know fight working to eradicate eradicate sex trafficking in Hampton Roads. So I had been volunteering, and, and let me back up just a bit. Um, I didn't really know much about sex trafficking, but I had this dream that played out in like a movie. And after that, and I still plan to write this because it was so vivid and so you know, such detail, but it was just a really hard story to write. So as I started researching, I started um, volunteering with this organization and I um, went through their advocacy program. And that was just so heartbreaking learning um, what's happening with our youth, you know, and particularly a lot of the kids start between 11. So as I shared the information, we ended up, um, but, you know, it was so many documentaries and TV series dealing with sex trafficking, I wanted to do a different, come from a different aspect, like what can the community do to make a difference? And so we sort of merged the ideas. And so that's how I, you know, was commissioned with them to um, produce that piece. It was a featured documentary that aired on Cox and some of their affiliate channels. So that's sort of how I transitioned into that. So after being a part of that project, they were like, hey, we need some reporters. And, you know, when I was young, I wanted to do journalism. And then my grandfather was like, oh, black women don't do that. You know, and I was like, well, I do need something that's more reliable. And then I get into film, right, which is not reliable. But but, um, that was amazing. And I really loved doing it. So, you know, I got a chance to go out and covered a lot of the ships coming in you know, um, in Norfolk and, you know, a lot of the community events, you know, Out of Darkness Walk, Blood Drives, I mean, just a host of 
of things that allowed me to, you know, learn a little bit more about being a field reporter, but also, um, you know, allow me to produce some of the segments they were doing. That's awesome. Thank you. So you started as a writer and you eventually also picked up screenwriting. How did you build your skill? Um, Because we've all heard, well, everybody who's listening, obviously you're either wanting to be a filmmaker or you already are in the process, but we've all heard watch films. That's how you get better. But like, what does that really mean? So how did you, (laughs) (laughs) how did you work on your craft and how are you continuing to work on your craft as a screenwriter? As a screenwriter, so ironically, I bought all these books, bought, you know, like See It Feel, Save the Cat, you know. Um, and so initially I was teaching myself how to do screenwriting. And after volunteering on that first um, project, um, Atlanta's Down, they, you know, that's where I, where I learned about the Virginia Production Alliance. And then so I was at one of their events and um, they, the, someone, a representative from the Attic Theater at the time, they, you know, she was there and she was like, hey, you know, we have a screenwriting class. And I was like, really? So I joined and I was part of the workshop. It wasn't really a class, it was a workshop, but it was led by Clyde Santana. And he's been all over the country taking screenwriter classes and all types of filmmaking classes. And he literally would come back and teach us what he was taught. And so one year we went out to L.A. to the Screenwriters Expo and literally what they were teaching, we already knew. So I felt like it was just like one of those gems that I was privileged to take a part of. And I was a part of it up until um, it just dissolved this year. And um, so up until I moved out of the area. So, you know, it was um, amazing. And then um, uh, Monty Ross, who is a producer for, he used to produce for Spike Lee from everything from um, She's Gotta Have It up until Malcolm X. He moved to the Virginia area. So he helped me with like teaching me how to look at film because like you said, people say, oh, watch film. And I'm looking at films and I'm like, okay, what do I see? (laughs) You know, it's just a film, you know, if you're not trained. So he, you know, taught me color, you know, looking at what the tones are, um, the blocking, the you know, so those type of things. So he provided mentorship. And then now whenever I get a chance, if there's a workshop that I can afford to go to, I go to. I do look at a lot of movies now, but I now that I'm trained to look at them, I can look at, you know, like um, the various techniques that people are using, like or not like, and, you know, just absorb that. And then I just, you know, I, I've been listening to your podcast along with others, and I'm on YouTube probably, like, any time I'm working on something, I have YouTube plan with studying different filmmakers. So I'm just like a sponge trying to continue to grow and learn so that I can, you know, evolve as a filmmaker. Okay. First of all, look at me. I went, first of all, (laughs) I'm really sad that the screenwriting group dissolved. Like I was about to be like, can you give me that, that contact? I need to utilize that. You know, and what was so unfortunate, you know, and and I wish I would have known you because you would have loved it. And I'm sure you would have participated you know, on average, it was probably always less than 10 people. And I think so many people 
you know, I think one, you're either a writer or you're not. You know, that's just the bottom line. And I think you can learn to write, but you have to want to write because writing is such a, I think is one of the hardest skill sets in film because it's isolating. And if you don't love being with yourself, you're not going to want to write. You know, you have to dedicate time. You can't talk on the phone. You can't watch a movie. You have to you know, sit there in front of that computer day in, day out. And I don't think a lot of people have the patience or tenacity to do that. And so we would always invite people. It was open. And let me tell you the best thing. It was free. Um, really? <laughs> now <Friday>. I'm mad. <laughs> He was so awesome because he paid lots of money for this stuff, but he came back and, you know, we were like, well, what is, what is it going to cost? And he said, I want you to pay it for it. That's all I charge you. That you learn it and you pay it for it because I want to see, and he's a black African-American man, African-American and Hispanic man. And he was like, I want to see you all creating great work. That's what I want. And so that was what he charged us, you know? And so as long as you were dedicated you, could, you know, even today, you know, I was working on something because I applied for AFI's um, direct, um, Directors Women Workshop. And I, you know, had to write a script and, you know, we were going back and forth and he's still giving me constructive criticism, even though the, you know, the, the workshop has ended. So um, it was a true blessing. And I wish I would have known you. I would have invited you. But so many people that we did invite did not take advantage of it or they went did not stay committed to it. Um for one reason or another. And I think it was, which worked out for us because it kept the group small and we learned a lot. Right. I just am over here so sad. Can you like email him and encourage him to say, <laughs> I talked to this <laughs> really dedicated writer and she said, please bring it back. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll ask. I, but he's he, he loves teaching. He's actually teaching um, now at Norfolk State doing murals and and um, I think he's going to be doing some work soon at another local college. So um, he, he loves teaching. He, he would gladly do it. Yes. Tell, tell, look, tell, sorry, y'all. This is my own little personal moment that y'all are getting to listen to. But tell him I said I would so be dedicated and I will round up people like I will do it. I will tell him and we'll, I'll let you know. We'll have a private conversation about yes it. we'll do that <laughs> sorry y'all sorry i'm just trying to get you know get in where i fit in you don't you don't That's ask what you have to do. exactly you don't ask what my mom say close mouth don't get fed you better ask <laughs> okay so to get back on track sorry y'all so from that experience because you are basically self-taught which is an awesome thing what would you personally suggest to someone who is a writer or director, because you wear both hats and you also produce, what would you suggest to the writer and the director to help them build their skill? What has worked for you? Do it, you know, um, and trust your own gut, you know, because when I first started, I used to feel like everyone knows more than me, you know, but I'm a nerd. So like, Everyone may have been doing it longer than me, and there's people that's definitely better than me, but I study constantly. You know, I'm reading, I'm writing, you know, like I'm constantly, I got my little books and I'm going back in and, you know, just constantly looking at. So what another girlfriend and I, we started we're learning together. And so we were like, so when we started, we just followed the instructions that were in some like the production manuals or the 
you know, screenwriter books or whatever, director books, you know. And so for me, I didn't know any other way. And then so as I started, you know, working with other people, I'm like, and they said, oh, this is, you know, I do, you know, like have all the egos. And then I'm like, they're not doing this right. <laughs> you know, like, so it was, you know, it was interesting. So what I learned from that is just learning to trust my gut and be okay if I make a mistake, because that's part of, you know, I feel like the greatest lessons as I move forward from each project has been the mistakes because you have to make mistakes to learn because when you make those mistakes, you will not do that one thing again. I can promise you that. You are telling the absolute truth because I ever um, filmed something for one of my friends the other day. It's like a project for her, for her business. And I, and it's so sad because like you said, just do it. But I know like to check back, look at and make sure that like I'm not catching myself in the, in the camera. Like five minutes worth of what we recorded, I looked back like once we had finished everything, and I'm glad that I always like try to get extra shots. Yes, I looked. I said, "Really, Siobhan? Like <laughs> you could see like my whole entire body?" And I just was like, "You know what? Like you said, mental note. I will never do that again. Like wow. I double check and double check now." And I I will give one other piece of advice. I mean, and this is. I, I hear other people because I'm a huge fan of Ava DuVernay. And, yes. you know, I know I, I've heard her say, just shoot, just go out there and make your features. But I'll tell you, if you haven't gone to film school, I really feel like making shorts are a good way to, one, build your confidence, two, make those mistakes before you make, before it really counts. You know, because with short films, you're not going to make any money anyways, in most cases, if, unless you win some awards or whatever. But in most cases, you're not. But when you start making a feature, you know, at least you're going to have to raise some money, hope, you know, more than likely. And you want to make that mistake when you have those small projects that you're, you know, you can start to say, well, you know what? We're not investing too much into it because we can't make anything off of it. But um, I really think making short films, like I, I, I'm so glad I chose to make short films first because. I made mistakes and then I just think it helps me to become a better, every film I feel like I'm better. Um, I still, like I said, have a lot of, I have a lot of room for growth, but I can tell you from those mistakes, I have learned a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. You better teach everybody out there listening. That's good information. It's really good. So with you being in Virginia and you making your shorts, uh, if you haven't been to Virginia, don't shade us because I know everybody's like, oh, whenever they are about to do the podcast, they're, they're like, yeah, you live in um, Hollywood. And I'm like, no, I live in Virginia. <laughs> so how were you able, because that's the one thing that I hear and even me personally experiencing it for myself, uh, because I do have other people who live in like just different areas that's not considered like a filmmaking area. It's just uh, a little bit difficult, and maybe you'll encourage us all to find like people who are consistent or people who are really um, passionate about filmmaking. So how were you able to put yourself in position, one, to be able to make your short films, and then two, how did you find your crew? Okay, <laughs> that is always interesting. The first project, we, by word of mouth, we... um 
that worked on this play with someone and they introduced us to like some camera guys. And so they helped us. We didn't have any money. And so you know, that's how we made our first one. And also, if I met someone and they said, oh, I would really like to be a filmmaker. And I would say, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know. Or would you be interested in being a script supervisor? Okay, here's what you, this is, I want you to research what that is. I want you to look at some YouTube videos about how to be, be a script supervisor or how to be a AD or how to be a, you know, AC, whatever. And then I would spend a day with them and say, okay, so let's go over what you learned. And this is what I need from you. I need continuity. I need you to take pictures on set. And so that's sort of what I did. And then if it was, you know, like I had to train people how to work with me on some of the projects. The last project I did, which is Aged Out, um, it was um, a blessing because I did have a lot of the local filmmakers who were already creating work come because it was, I think, more of a passion project because this project um, was to bring awareness to youth aging out of foster care. So people, like, I was still writing and people would just say, oh, I heard you doing this project. Oh, I'll help. You know, and so that's sort of how that came together. Um, with this, the next phase of my, or next chapter in my filmmaking life, I do want to raise money and I do want to hire people because I do want people that are working in their lane. Um, I think the most difficult part as an indie filmmaker with no money is post-production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not an editor, you know, so um, that part has been, you know, a challenge, but hallelujah, we got there. And um, so that to me is like the biggest, the, the hardest thing, because I think getting people on set is easy. It's the energy that you get being on set and people love to shoot. Um, I'm type A, so I don't mind doing all the pre-production work, but it is nice when you have someone else to help with the pre-production work. So the last project, I did a lot of the pre-production myself. The other two projects, I had other people helping me with. So um, I want a team. <laughs> I'm all about building the team going for it. Like I'm looking for a producing partner. I'm looking for that right cinematographer. I'm looking for that right editor that, you know, like we can, you know, build and grow on future projects together. I haven't found them yet, but um, but in being in Virginia, that's the difficulty um, is, you know, the level of commitment sometimes because a lot of people do it as hobby. But I also have found a great group of people that are trying to excel in their filmmaking career just like we are. Thank you. That gives me hope. <laughs> that gives me hope. No, because I mean, so it'll be interesting to see what this, you know, what the... Um, climate like is here in regards in, in the indie world so it'll be interesting to see how it's yeah. different or what. I wasn't going to put you on blast but since you mentioned it already you did move to Atlanta you left us so what was your um I guess your driving force to say you wanted to move to the new Hollywood because you know that they um, brought in more money than Hollywood the past I think it's the past year I think I have it posted on our um Instagram, social media. So what pushed you to go to Atlanta? Well, I felt like I I really wanted to be in a larger market um, because my goal, in addition to my independent work, is to direct episodic TV. And so 
Um, I knew I couldn't do that in Virginia because it's all about relationship building. You know, you have to meet the right people to get the jobs. Well, since I've been in Atlanta, what I'm learning is they're not doing that here either. You know, like they're still hiring out of L.A. and New York. Really? Yes. Like they're shooting a lot of work here. The actors are are being you know are coming from L.A. and New York. The you know above the line crew is from L.A. and New York. So Atlanta is like you know filling in those missing pieces. But like you know you can get a one liner as an actor, but there's not a lot of you know directors. And if they are directing, they are from L.A. and New York. They have relocated to Atlanta, not necessarily where they're, you know, hiring directors, per se, from here. So, I don't know, girl. I might have to make another move. I don't know, because I'm ready to go to the next level. But I'm going to give it probably, um, unless I get, if I get into that director's workshop for women with AFI, then I'll move to L.A. um, probably beginning of the year. If I don't, then I'll probably give Atlanta a, a try for a year. And then, you know, I have a couple projects I'm working on now. So give me time to work on those if I don't get in. And then, you know, I'll give it a year and see if there's any progress. Because I feel like it's an emerging market. So even though that is the case today, anything can change overnight. But I don't know for sure that it will. So we'll we'll see. Well, either way, if you stay in Atlanta or if you go to California, I do have some lovely ladies that have built really, really good relationships um, with uh, in Atlanta and in California, like really good relationships. So I definitely will pass that information because I'm a newbie here and I don't know too many people yet. So that would be awesome. Yeah, it's a couple. um, It's actually it's two that I know uh, specifically that I interviewed and they both have production company. So I'll pass you their information. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yes. No, seriously. That's what I tell people. Um, if you want to be a filmmaker, you can't have this super ego and think that you can do it by yourself. You, yeah, need, you need support. You need people who are going to encourage you when you feel like you want to quit. <laughs> and and you also just need, like, sometimes, like, um, Sometimes you just need people to just be like, girl, let me tell you about this day. <laughs> let me tell you what happened. You know, that because, you know, when you're talking to your friends that are not filmmakers, they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, so it's nice to also just have that circle, you know, like find your tribe of people that you can have that conversation about whatever your filmmaking challenges are for that day or that project. I agree because trying to convince your uh, friends, like I had my best friend, I started writing a web series and I was like, read it. Tell me what you think about it. Like after like she read, like I could tell she was like, oh, it's good. I said, you know what? Goodbye. You're not, I'm not, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> that's, a, that's the other thing that's really hard because I love constructive criticism, like because I can't get better without it. But people who love you, they're just going to say, Oh, it's good because they, they're excited that you're doing it, you know, but they, you know, but you want that real honest, like, girl, you need to work on the story art, you know, like, so, yeah. So you are working on a new project. Ha! Huh? Yep. I told you I did some research. It's called Laughing in the Dark. Yes. 
Tell us I'm about the research and development phase of the project. Okay. Laughing in the Dark is going to be a documentary um, to bring awareness to, you know, particularly in our community um, about um, um, depression and suicide. So um, Laughing in the Dark is really, that came to me in a vision, actually. Um, when I turned 40, I went through like a little depression. It wasn't a little, it was sort of big um, because I was like, oh, I want to be married. You know, I thought I'd be married, thought my career would have been different, thought I would have had kids, you know, none of that was happening. And so I really, you know, got really sad, depressed, actually. Um, and then, you know, I went to therapy, so it didn't last you know, as long as probably other people, but I was willing to do the work, you know, do the coping. But right after that, you know, but it was still hard, you know, it was days that I just didn't like getting out of bed, you know, it was days that I would, like, I sold real estate at the time, and so I remember going out with clients, and I felt like a zombie, like, I hope they don't fire me, because I just don't have any energy to give, you know, I'm just showing houses right now. And so, after that, um, I was like, you know, awake and all of a sudden I had a vision of a cover came to me and it was all black. The bottom third had like a clown, a clown smile, you know, like the powder with the red lips and then mm -hmm. the um, fonts were in red and it was called Laughing in the Dark. And I knew immediately that it was about masking depression because oftentimes, oh, how you doing? I'm great, you know. And so a lot of times people don't know that you're dealing with this internal pain. And so um, and then right after that, um, Cox, ironically, they, they, um, Kevin, he calls and he said, he called and he said, Tamika, I want you to cover um, the suicide watch. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, because I had just had that vision. And so just going out there and hearing the stories, oh, it was just like, I knew that was God, you know, I was you know, believing God. So I believe you know, I knew it was God giving me this story, but I also knew I had to walk through that pain because, you know, if you have not experienced depression, it is horrible. Yes. And you cannot describe it. And if you, you know, because it's different from being sad or, you know, like I'm a little down because I broke up with someone or I'm a little down because I lost my job. But when you have depression, it's so much deeper and sometimes you yourself can't control it. You know, I was able to use the techniques to, therapist gave me the coping mechanisms, but sometimes people need medicine. I didn't have to take it, but I tell you, I felt so bad. I would have, but in our community, we sometimes have shame about it. And shortly thereafter, almost every week, I met somebody, African-American, that shared with me at one point or another, they had thought about suicide or they knew someone who committed suicide. And I actually had a man that I used to rent rooms and he actually committed suicide shortly after leaving my home, moving into somewhere else. But, you know, so I just, you know, like, I feel like sometimes as a, you know, like, I think most people who are filmmakers are, we are slightly off ourselves because this is a hard career path, but I believe it's also a gift. Because I don't think people choose to live this kind of life, you know, like it's, it calls you to some of these stories and they are hard, they are. Um, hard to tell, hard to, you know, and, and unfortunately, sometimes you have to walk through the journey to understand the story you're about to tell, or you have to interview people and hear heartbreaking stories. So that's, you know, the birth of laughing in the dark. Well, I will tell you 
to definitely do it. I do think that we are, we're similar as, uh, well, filmmakers as to comedians. I think that we have that ability and that gift to talk about things that people don't want to talk about, but we always put a spin on it. Like, it might be through comedy. It might be through drama. I just do think that, like you said, a piece of our life is in every story we tell. Like, it could be somebody we meet. And I definitely encourage you to do your documentary because that's so funny. We have something in common. Um, I am in post-production. Don't ask me how long I've been in post-production. Don't do it. But I'm in post-production for a documentary about um, depression as well. But I follow one um, young lady in particular. And the same way you feel like I you know, want to bring awareness, but her story was just so unique. And it really was pressed upon me too to be able to tell it because my undergrad is in counseling, but I found myself in the position of like needing to go to therapy and like people being like, ain't nothing wrong with you, girl. So I get it. And even with you talking about like thinking or having a picture of where you thought your life would be. And that is a really good follow-up to my um, next question. How do we as filmmakers um, manage our expectations? Because we will see, and not to the point where you want to not pursue this, but we'll see like um, Shonda Rhimes or we'll see you know, the next big person and it can really um, make you feel small. So what is just your suggestion for filmmakers that you, you know, aren't too hard on yourself and that you use your creativity to the best of your ability for where you are right now? I take a different approach. I believe God is not a respective person. Mm -hmm. So I look at it like I'm in line, you Mm -hmm. know, like every time someone else makes it like, sometimes I can see people win awards and I just start crying because I'm so happy, you know, because I feel like I'm just, I feel like we have to do the work. We have to go through our journey. And I study a lot of filmmakers, you know, creative people in general. And I think that helps me because when I listen to their backstory, I know they did not arrive overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I just keep telling myself to keep doing my best. The hardest part for me is balance. Because, you know, you, if you're not at that place of one of those people, you still have to figure out how to eat, how to pay the bills, how to, you know, whatever. Exactly. So when you're trying, like, you know, trying to work a job and you feel miserable, like I was work, I, I sold real estate for a while and, and, and real estate is interesting because it's commission only. So as I'm building this, I'm like halfway doing that because I'm trying to hurry up and get home to write or to prepare for a production or whatever, because that's where my heart is. And so I'm not doing this at my best ability, but enough to eat. Um, and then, you know, but I'm not committed as much as I want to to film. And then I said, okay, well, let me not do this because either I'm going to starve or I'm going to not do film at all because it's, it's hard to balance. So then I go and I said, okay, and I moved to Charlotte before I came to Atlanta like, okay, I need a fresh start. Let me you know, try to do a nine to five. And girl, I just felt like the, the first week I was working at the bank, I started having headaches because I hated it on the first week. Not that I hated the 
the bank or the job, it was just, it was stifling me more than I even realized because at least with real estate, I had the flexibility to mm-hmm. still create my own schedule. Like if I knew I want to shoot this weekend, oh, I'm sorry, I have appointments all weekend. How about Monday? You know, I can sort of rearrange my schedule. So now that I'm here in Atlanta, I'm like in this pickle because I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I got to get some type of job. And I thought it would be easier to get like in the film industry type jobs, but it's not as easy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, you know, so I think that's the struggle. But as far as like looking at other people, I really just am inspired by them because I feel like I'm in line. I just got to keep doing the work is what I keep telling myself. Just keep doing the work. Nobody got there overnight. And, you know, I don't believe I believe that on filmmakers, like it's some people who do it, but I believe most of us is a gift. I don't think we would choose to suffer the way we do, you know, like, because, and, and I mean that seriously, because like, you know, like, even like I said, if you're working, you're hating being on your job because you want to be creating, or if you're creating, you're struggling because you're trying broke. And so now I got to get a job, you know, so you're always in this like in between place until you get to another place where you can be self-sufficient. And I haven't gotten there yet. So that's the struggle for me, but I just look like we got to just keep like, look at when you feel down, go look at somebody and look at their backstory because you'll be like, okay, yep, that's my life. You know, like, so you realize you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important for us too, because I think not just with filmmakers, because I think filmmakers are, well, if you ask them, they're pretty um, honest. But I think because of social media, we've gotten just so consumed with highlight reels. Like, oh, I'm just over here winning. And it gives people this false idea of how you're you're there. Like, because like you said, like I always remind myself and I didn't think about it till you said it. I always remind myself even of um, Tyler Perry's story. Like he was sleeping in his car. Like I'm not trying to be sleeping in my car. Not at 40. I'm sorry. I can't do it at 40. I should have did that in the 20s, but no, I'm not sleeping in the car. Yeah, I'm not sleeping in the car. Or you might have to, you know, like, I don't really know. I don't have the answer, but Mm -hmm. that's their story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That was good. So just before we wrap up, uh, just to give me some support, because you are in Atlanta and I did note that you, did you start the Alliance of Women Directors in Atlanta? No. Okay. So no, it was already established. Yeah. I, I was asked to be on the board and we started a restructuring. So um, just got an email today that they're for, for, you know, legal tax purposes, they're making us a branch instead of a, um, a chapter now. So, um, no, just I wanted to be a part of a group of women directors because I just needed that tribe. And so when I went to L.A. a few years ago, I met a lady um, and she was a part of the Alliance of Women Directors. And she was like, oh, my God, you got to, you know, you need to join. But I didn't qualify at that time because at the time they wanted people who had, you know, had work at least aired publicly on the TV station or, or a theater. And so I didn't have that. So I couldn't join. And so thank God for Cox because, because of the work I did with them, because they also had like a short film thing. And so they would air my short film, one of my short films up there. And so that's how I qualified. And so 
you know, when that the opportunity came, I was like, great. And it's it's been great because it's like it's like a sisterhood, even though you don't know the women very well, because I'm just moving here. But I, I actually joined before I moved here um, because I knew I was coming. And um, it's really nice because, you know, like I will support each other. There's screens or we'll, you know, like, hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, look at my my piece and you know, give me your constructive criticism. And, you know, like and, and it's, you know, that honest, you know, usually for the most part, the women are great and all striving to do the same thing and really supportive of one another. Okay, so make sure that you all follow her to get information about when they are meeting so you can join if you are in Atlanta and you're looking for some support. So I like to ask everybody at the end, what are you reading right now and what are you watching right now? Okay, so you're going to laugh. Right now, I'm reading the Hollywood Dealmaker. Uh, I forget the, the author and the correct title, but I'm trying to study the contracts because I'm trying to go to the next level. Um, and then um, I am loving TV right now. Um, I don't get to watch as much as I want because you got to balance you know, creating and watching. But This Is Us is like one of my favorite shows. I love This Is Us. Um, I'm also watching Queen Sugar. Love Queen Sugar. Um, I never was into like comic books, but I am starting to really like some of the Marvels that are out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's so much out there now that I'm missing some things. But yeah, that's sort of what I'm. But those are the things. The This Is Us and Queen Sugar are the things that I'm gonna probably try to get home to tune into. The other things outside of binge watch as I can. Yes, I love This Is Us and I love Queen Sugar. Like both always end up making me be in my feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So let everyone know how they can keep in touch with you, how they can support you, where they can follow you. Yes, so you, I'm on my um I'm on all social media. My website is tamikawinborn.com and that's spelled T O M dot com, And I'm on um, Facebook, Twitter. I'm not as good as at Twitter, but I'm up there. And um, LinkedIn and Instagram under Tamika Winborn. You, right now, um, I don't have as much where you, I don't need financial help, but if you can follow me, I'm submitting to festivals, um, our Aged Out Project. So if you Look up our Aged Out Project on Facebook. Follow us there just so that we can get numbers and get some eyeballs on it. So when the festivals are looking at how many people like us, they can say somebody might want to see this. So that's pretty much um, how you can help me. Okay, so y'all know the drill. You can go and follow us on Instagram. You can go follow us on Facebook. I told y'all I'm trying to do better with Facebook. So you will see I've been doing better. Yeah, I've been watching you. I know. I was like, okay, I have, I can't keep saying it and not do it. <laughs> and then you can go to our website as well, thecreativeoutsiders.com. And you can follow me, Siobhan Hill, on Instagram as well as my personal website. And I believe that's it. Make sure, nope, make sure you are out there living your dreams, not just talking about it. So go out there and do the work. Make some films. So until next time, make sure that y'all are doing the work and 
Also, don't forget to leave comments on our podcast. Let us know what you want, what we can work on, because we're just here to grow and make sure that you grow as well. Until next time.